Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Infuse Your Future podcast, where we bring together people and ideas who are making the world a better place. I'm your host, Dr. C. And I'm excited to announce our guest today, Claire Doherty. And her business name is Claire Doherty. Um, and the way she in inspires people in business is she supports them to reconnect with their bodies and intuition, tap into their innate power to heal and help people uncover their unconscious patterns. And she does this with archetypes so that when we make unconscious, we when we make the unconscious conscious, magic happens. Who doesn't love magic? Yeah. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Claire. Hi, Claire. Hey, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world? Thank you. So I'm um, an intuitive guide and a coach. I've got uh, a, a training in the Western um, medical model. So I, I was originally a physiotherapist. I, I still am a physiotherapist, actually. been doing that for nearly 30 years. And I have a master's in health ergonomics. Um, but I'm also a nutritional therapist and a medical intuitive. I've studied medical intuition um, transpersonal psychology um, and so I kind of bring all of these things together when I have a person in front of me that's struggling um, and comes to me for help and I draw on all of my different tools in different ways to basically um, help them and one of the main ways that I work is energetically with um, archetypes so when somebody comes to me with either a health issue or a life challenge so you know Maybe they're feeling blocked or they're not feeling very confident or they're experiencing anxiety. Then I'm able to connect in and to see which patterns, which archetypes are maybe underlying this and then help them to become aware of those patterns and to make some small shifts so that they can come into um, maybe a more balanced um, position or move towards their goals, whatever they might be. I love that. For those those of us out there who don't know what an archetype is or haven't heard of that, would you mind explaining what that is and what that sure. means to each of us? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, they were uh, made, made uh, it, was a, it was a term that Carl Jung actually gave to sets of patterns and actions. Um, and he saw archetypes as being these kind of um, sets of actions and patterns that existed within the collective unconscious. So we all have access to them. And we've all got our archetypes. If you, if you basically think of them as labels for characteristics and, and actions. So, you know, a mother is normally somebody who is very maternal. A teacher is somebody that shares information, that kind of thing. A people pleaser is somebody that can't say no and loves helping other people. <laughs> ah, I see, I see. Yeah. So what are the common archetypes that you work with? Mm, well, and anything that comes up, but I mean, um, we all have, we all have similar ones and then we, and then we all have our individual ones. So similar ones that we have will be things like our child archetype, because we were all children once, um, and we'll all be a daughter or a son to someone, for example. So we've all got some common archetypes. Um, you know, we've all got within us, the saboteur archetype we all self-sabotage in some form or another whether that's through procrastination or through perfectionism you know and so when I'm helping people in their business that um, either don't feel very confident or they don't feel that they can create and share their creations with 
with the world and kind of thinking, okay, so what's going on with their saboteur archetypes? Is it that they don't feel perfect enough? Is it that they're feeling or believing that what they're creating isn't valuable enough, isn't perfect enough? Um, or are they just procrastinating for whatever reason? And why is that? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, those... I. I can I can see you being very busy with people pleasers and perfectionists. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and I procrastinators. Mean, yeah, and and you know, so many people say I'm not perfectionist, and then when we kind of start to unravel, they kind of go, oh, "I didn't realize that that's what you know that's what I was doing." Um, and and the people pleaser is 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 huge, you know, especially for women actually, because as women we're primed to be good girls and to be agreeable and not to say no and to put other people first and of course you know we do all have this maternal natural instinct as women even if we don't have children most people um you know will have some kind of maternal instinct and by that I don't mean that they want to necessarily be a mother to some something but you know they're creative and expressive and sensual all of those things um are maternal parts of the maternal archetype um and so so we're kind of you know primed to believe um that we should just be really good girls and, and agree with with everyone and that because then becomes a hardwired pattern which when we get later in life we don't even realize that we're doing it but we can get really overwhelmed and burnt out because we're so busy taking care of other people that we don't remember to take care of ourselves and we actually think it could be quite selfish to put ourselves first. So yeah, I see a lot of, I see a lot of women with, with that going on and having to kind of unlearn that pattern and then challenge it and ask, is it actually true if I take this time for myself? So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, our society of course breeds those archetypes, right? If you, if you're not perfect enough, you're going to get fired if you don't please the the people that have power in your life, then there's going to be negative consequences. So if you try to set your boundaries, I think so many people are people pleasers for whatever reason, you know, whether they're groomed for that by family or society, but, um, you know, there are real negative consequences for not being those things. And when you try to set your boundaries, because there are so many perfectionists and people pleasers the result can be pretty intense <laughs> yeah I mean people don't like it when you suddenly start to have a boundary and you say mm, actually I'm not going to do that they're kind of like suddenly oh my gosh you're being really selfish you've always done this what am I supposed to do you know and they try and kind of put it back onto us with a bit of guilt so that we will go oh yeah I'm such a bad person of course I'll do it um, so it's really interesting watching that dance when people start to put a boundary in place and to, to kind of say, actually, I am going to look after myself first. But it takes strength and courage because, of course, we can upset people sometimes by by saying no. But, but you know, that always makes me question and, and I always invite the person that I'm working with to question, what is your relationship like? What's it based on? And where is the respect, actually, if it means that you can't say no? You know, what's going on there? 
Right. Yeah. Right. And that's one of my big things um, in my life and in my practices is the boundaries. Because if you think about it, when you first start setting boundaries, you're also not that good of it, good at it. Right. Yeah. And you, you can tend to be kind of crass or rude. And so it's just learning that dance of how to set the boundaries and how to set them respectfully and also respecting other people's boundaries as yeah. you're setting your own. Yes. Yeah. Such good points. It's so true because again, people often think that um, when you're setting a boundary that, that you're being confrontational and you're on, uh, you know, and so there's that fear and the other thing that I find is that people over explain a lot. No, I'm sorry that I don't want to do that because of X, Y, and Z, instead mm -hmm. of just saying, you know, thank you for asking me, but no, thank you on this occasion. Or, you know, um, people, people don't understand that they can say, I know I've been doing this for X amount of time, but I've reviewed things and going forwards, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore however you know um I'm going to stop doing this in a week's time or two weeks time and that's perfectly fine that can be a middle ground if you don't if you feel you can't stop straight away so it's often helping people to kind of find a way that they're comfortable with setting a boundary but without apologizing for it really mm -hmm. and it's also interesting I have teenagers and they're trying to set their boundaries but they don't always realize that you know parents also have boundaries so yeah. the boundaries can clash sometimes yeah yeah I mean I've got I've got one teenager and, and one older son but um I've been there I'm still there a bit <laughs> <laughs> well I'd love to talk to you more about the saboteur archetype because I think that hits a lot of us especially women mm -hmm. I mean, definitely men have their own challenges with archetypes and their own challenges with how society grooms them, which I think is, mm. is cruel in many ways, how society grooms men. Yeah. Um, but the saboteur archetype, it's just so deep and so prevalent. So would you like to talk about that a little bit deeper? Sure. I mean, so that's that, that you know, you can self-sabotage with any pattern, actually. So you know, you can self-sabotage by wanting to be perfect. And actually, what is perfect? Do we ever reach perfectionism? And I mean, that's the whole paradox of it, isn't it? Because you can't reach it, so nothing's ever good enough. And who decides what's good enough? Is it you or is it somebody else? So, you know, there's there, there's normally a small voice in the back of our heads that is speaking to us about not being good enough or it not being perfect enough. And that is, um, you know, often a, a voice that we've um, stored from earlier in life whether that's a teacher or a parent or a sibling but somebody um, we've internalized this belief that we need to be better and be more perfect so that often trips us up but but we can self-sabotage with the people pleaser or being you know codependent or or um, the addict is another massive um, saboteur and you know, I actually really, really like the addict archetype because I think it's really complex and I think it's one of the most misunderstood patterns in society. And um, people are not very open to considering that maybe we've all got slight addictive tendencies and that it can be a spectrum. Um, and, you know, I have this conversation with my children about social media and being <laughs> their phones 
Um, and that, you know, they do admit, they do say, oh, it is addictive, mum, it's really hard. Um, but I think we all have addictive tendencies and, and some people more than others. And we can be addictive to any anything. So that can be behaviours, the, the need to people please. It can be substances. It can be all sorts of, you know, things like, like shopping or, you know, gambling or buying, collecting things. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing you know right with it it's just what it is but but it's serving a purpose and it's serving the purpose of managing our emotions and our feelings and that's what we need to remember with compassion when when we are faced with somebody with addiction instead of it being this really horrible stigma that you know we label somebody with oh they're an addict you know well we've all got that within us the possibility and you know, if we could just be a little bit more compassionate with people, then that would be more helpful, I feel. Um, but but it is a huge saboteur archetype, because, of course, when we're spending our resources, whether that's time or money or energy um, in that addiction, rather than focusing on something that's more supportive or, you know, um, something we want to achieve, then, of course, we're not going to achieve it. We're, we're going to just be staying in this addictive pattern so yeah I, re I really like um I really like the addict as an archetype just because I think there's so much to get into with it and I think it's so misunderstood that I have so much compassion for people who um have got um addictions to, to anything I love your I love your passion and compassion about addiction and there's so many things about what you just said. So one is balance, you know, that addiction can be a positive thing because you can be addicted to positive things, but you just want to do them in balance so that they're not overtaking your life or creating a negative effect from whatever it is you're addicted to. Because some people are addicted to work. Yeah. Yeah. The overworker archetype. Absolutely. Yeah can't can't not kind of you know be at work or be at work at 9 p.m or be constantly answering emails and, and and whatever and you know that's really interesting in itself well what's that about is that because there's something going on at home and we don't want to be at home and we don't want to be present at home or is that a need to feel valued and valid um to somebody external within the workplace or even to ourselves um, you know, or is it actually just because when we're really busy, we don't have time to look at ourselves. So yeah, really interesting. And I also love your message about being compassionate towards addicts or, mm. or people with addictions. Um, one of the programs that I went through was the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching. And what I loved about that is they really talked about how there's, there's no good and bad behavior. There's just behavior based on how we needed to survive as we were growing up. And a lot of people mm. with addictions, those are just things that they acquired as, as a way to exist in the world, as a way to survive, yeah. or they're covering up some deep trauma so that they can just get through day to day to, yeah. so to really have compassion, not label them because I don't know about the UK, but you know, in the U S for sure, if you go into the mental health system, it's all about diagnosis, diagnosis, yep. diagnosis. Yep. And when you work with a trauma recovery coach um, or any, you know, trauma informed 
healer, it could be a therapist, a coach, when they understand that it's not about diagnosing, but just about supporting and nurturing and helping that person learn other survival techniques to replace the ones that are destructive, it brings it brings the relationship into a whole new dynamic. Because when you go to a, a doctor and they're saying, well, you're an addict, then you feel like you're, you're a, a helpless child who's doing bad things in the world and you just mm. want to hide. But when you're meeting that person as an equal and saying, you know, I'm really sorry, whatever you went through that caused you to create these um patterns like you said an archetype is a pattern i'm so sorry you had to create these patterns just to survive mm -hmm. and i'm here to hold space with you and work with you to help you create different patterns yeah maybe aren't so destructive yeah yeah and, and it's so interesting isn't it that a lot of people have the view that an ad that addiction is a choice and that people can just easily kind of stop or they chose this um, and, and the other thing that I found really interesting is the whole, um, which came first, the, the, the substance or the addiction. And, and you know, my belief and my experiences is that actually, even if that substance didn't exist or that, that you know, ability to kind of shop online till midnight every night from, you know, from two in the morning, uh, from, you know, six in the morning, whatever, if that didn't exist there'd be a different addiction that would fill the gap. Um, and, and for me, it's about that having that empty hole that needs that needs filling with something. And, and addiction, that's what addiction is. It's a self-soothing pattern, which, which is also destructive. Um, so yeah, I just think there's so much misunderstanding around it. And um, I think that's why I feel quite passionate about helping people and about trying to explain different perspectives. But I love the, I love what you just said. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And I think at least for me, and I think this is true for most people, but obviously I can't speak for other people. When we think of addiction, we're thinking alcohol, cocaine, heroin, but probably the biggest addiction in existence is food. And yeah, so I mean, many... definitely. Yeah, um, is one of them for sure. And, yes. and actually, either not eating food or eating food. So even anorexia is an addiction because it's an addiction to not eating. Ah, yeah. That's a good viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's slightly different. It's kind of, you know, rooted in the need for control, um, but it's also an addictive behavior. Um, which is why it's very difficult, you know, to 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 break out of it. But food definitely, you know, and I, I do help lots of and it's again, um, it's it's more women, but there are men as well, um, who turn to food as a as a source of comfort. And of course, we're brought up, aren't we, to to see food like that. You know, we're we're rewarded with food when we're young. We're um we're punished by not being allowed to have certain food if we've done something that our parents you know don't agree with um and and food forms this um centerpiece for so many of our um cultural celebrations if you think you know um thanksgiving and christmas time and easter birthdays all of those things 
um, weddings where we where we feast and we celebrate. And so, of course, when food is connected with something that's happy and comforting, we, we want to go to that when we're feeling distressed and not very nice about ourselves. Yeah. Right, right. And especially in the U.S. culture, it's just so much fast food, so much, oh, my, the holiday that I hate the most is Halloween. It's okay. Candy, candy, candy. <laughs> and, oh, you know, my kids are still trick-or-treating and my daughter brings home two giant pillowcases full of candy. Wow. And the teachers give out candy for rewards at school all the time. I know when my daughter was in elementary school, one of her teachers would literally give out a full-sized candy bar as a reward and I was just so frustrated and as a mom there are times where I wanted to uh, reward my kids with like an ice cream or something like that and I never felt like I could because they were getting so much junk from school (laughs) you know one time my son came home And uh, well, actually one time I was talking to one of my friends and found out that for probably six months, she was packing an extra sweet in her son's lunch to give to my son. (laughs) It was like a giant, they call them honey buns, I think. So unbeknownst to me, every single day for six months, my son had a giant little honey bun at school. And my friend was trying to be very, you know, giving and generous But the reason I didn't pack sweets in my kids' lunch was because our family has a problem with food and I know they're getting a bunch at school. And so for me to add that on, it just felt terrible. Oh, bless you. That's, I mean, (laughs) what a sweet friend to to do that for him. But, oh dear. Yeah. In the UK, um, teachers are allowed to give out sweets in the classroom. They're not allowed? No, as far as I know, certainly at my son's school, um, they weren't allowed. So I think oh, that's, that's good. standard. Yeah. I think they were trying to implement that at the school my children went to at one point, And it was, they were getting a lot of pushback, both yeah. from the teachers and even some parents. I'm sure if that's been the norm for so long, it, it, it's difficult to change. We don't like change, do we? And, and as a tool for rewarding and getting children to have a good relationship with you I'm sure for a teacher it's a great thing to be able to do for sure for sure it all goes back to boundaries and balance yeah yeah right exactly um what kinds of people do you work with all sorts of people so um and people normally come to me when they're struggling with something and they just want support with um you know space holding or unraveling anxieties or problems that you know people feeling stuck people with confidence issues people who are anxious Um, I work with couples as well so uh, um, relationship issues and then people who have health issues obviously who who might come to me with a a specific health issue that's going on Um, because the way that I see it is is that our patterns manifest as symptoms in our bodies and so we're co-creating our life all the time and partly how we do that is with our actions and patterns now that sounds quite obvious you know you know that if you smoke um, and drink a lot you are more likely to develop certain forms of cancer or all all forms of cancer actually Um, 
but I'm not talking about just health related patterns. I'm talking about people pleasing. I'm talking about codependency. I'm talking about those kind of patterns. So for example, I tend to see a lot of people with gut issues and digestive issues and people who are people pleasers um, do present with more gut issues. So how I see it is, is that people pleasing is overstepping our own boundaries and when we have gut issues, there's normally sort of some issue going on with the boundary of the gut. So it's what's happening inside of us is being reflected outside of us and vice versa. And so um, I get people who come to me are really interested in that kind of thing, like the metaphysical meanings of um, the health symptoms and what they might be able to do other than the bog standard um, healing things that they might be doing, like their diet or, or you know, seeing the health practitioner or um, doctor, what else can I be doing? What else might be going on? Because um, I see health issues as being multifactorial and having kind of layers to them. So yes, they're biological and they're physiological, but they're also energetic. Um, and so they have a metaphysical meaning. So, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um. I feel like when you mentioned the the gut, it was all kind of tying in. I'm wondering if you have any advice for people we're coming up on the holidays, which is so full of all of these negative patterns, mm. you know, the people pleasing, mm. eating too much, the wrong foods, maybe even mm. the drinking too much. Do you have any advice for people that are going into these, these big social events and trying to change their patterns? Yeah, I think firstly, be compassionate with yourself and be realistic. So, you know, if you know that you are going to be tempted and that you're going to go in there and have a drink or eat that food that you've said that you're not going to have, you know, cut yourself some slack and allow yourself to maybe have a little bit of it at that time, because you're much less likely to eat all of the food and all of the drinks if you've allowed yourself a little bit of it. Um, and I always say to people, each each meal time is another chance to reset and to start again. So you don't even have to wait till the next day or the next week. You can start the next meal time. Um, but of course, you know, um, this time of year is just rife with all the triggers that set us off. So we do reach for the drinks and the food and, you know, the self-soothing um, behaviors because family dynamics can be particularly triggering for some people. And you know, I, I say to people, do you really need to put yourself in that position? And why is that? And that's huge, because often underlying that is a belief that if I don't go to this family um, function and do this thing, everyone will think that I'm really awful. And I'll also think that I'm really awful and I need to go. And and the the, the family thing is is absolutely huge because it, it immediately transports us back to when we were small children so we're reliving all of those patterns and all of those triggers um so it may be that people have to be honest with themselves and 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 put some boundaries in place and say do you know what i'm going to come but i'm not going to stay for the whole thing i'm only going to pop in for this amount of time um or they might come and they might have thought actually this person normally says this to me and this is the thing that really triggers me. So I know they're going to say it. So instead of me being upset, I'm just going to kind of try and go, oh, I was right. They said that to me again. Hmm. 
um, and have some kind of like management system, I think, in those situations. But 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 really, it's about being about being compassionate with yourself and knowing that actually it's it's okay to get upset. It's okay to eat the food. It's okay to have the drink. Um, it doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It it just is. Yeah. Um, one of the there's a man named Daniel Amen. I think it's either Amen or Amen. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's done a lot of work in brain studies. He's a, a psychiatrist who's also a radiologist. And he gave the example of he was growing up when he was growing up. I think his grandfather or someone owned a bakery and they were always, you know, eating yummy food and they were mm. all overweight. And so when he was first trying to set his boundaries, you know, he would just not eat as much. And when people were, because his family was very into eating. And so at one point he finally said to someone who had asked him for the third time, why don't you eat? He just very um, kindly said, why are you continuing to ask me to eat when I don't want to eat? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that seemed to help him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 I love that actually he could because he's not he's not being rude is he he's just kind of being curious right being curious that's another really great tool tool yeah yeah um and 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 you know I think people particularly with things like alcohol that are kind of like these um social crutches um I don't know what it's like in in um the U.S. but over here it's very much kind of like if you go out then and you're not drinking alcohol when you go to a bar it's kind of like or you go for dinner well, what do you mean you're not drinking and people are kind of like oh come on have a drink have a drink and it makes it very difficult but I always say to people what 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 you're not understanding is is that those people that are wanting you to have a drink um, are doing it so that they feel better as well unconsciously that they're, they're they're wanting you to be the same as them because that's what we want uh, human nature is we want to fit in we want everyone to be the same which we're not um so not drinking is a really really interesting thing to try and implement i think oh yes i have a personal experience with that when i was in college you know i would go to these parties and they would want me to drink but i was never a drinker you know maybe mm -hmm. i'll have one and that's about it. Mm. And I remember there was so much pressure. So finally, at one point, I just started taking water shots. And they thought it was vodka. I love so that. Happy. I was happy. I was just shooting water all night long, hydrating, hydrating. We all had a great time. So Brilliant. that's the trick is, you know, you can, you can have a glass in your hand. Maybe it's just Coke. And then you tell people that it's rum and Coke or, yeah. you know, whiskey yeah. and Coke. Yeah. And, then, you know, you're just going around having a fun time with them. They think you're drinking. You know, yeah. you're not drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You have a little secret that I have got no alcohol in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess even the same with food is you could walk around with a plate of food and then just and nibble on it here and yeah. there instead Absolutely. of you know, constantly going back and, and filling yeah. up the plate. Yeah. And, and and some people are feeders though, so so they get their comfort and passion through feeding other people, and and so sometimes they don't mean to pressurize us to eat. It's just 
how they actually show us that they care and they love about us. And and I, you know, the, the gentleman that you just um, mentioned that um, yes, Daniel um, Amen, yeah, um, you know that that's lovely. That's why I love that he questioned and he was curious about that because I wonder what the answer would have been. I wonder would it, you know, would it have been well? It's because I love you and I, I, you know, I'm showing you my affection and I wonder what that answer would have been. Yeah, that is a very good point. Another thing that you can say is, I'm really curious why you want me to eat this so mm. badly when I don't feel like eating it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is going to take practice to be able to do it and say oh, yeah. it without rubbing people the wrong yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, because and, people do become offended, don't they? That, that, you know, you're not taking the thing that they're offering you. It's, right, it's a dance, right. isn't it? It's a tricky dance between, you know, not offending and <laughs> having your boundaries. Right. Mm -hmm. right, so true, so true. So if people want to work with you, how do they find you? And um, what does it look like to work with you? Um, so I can, uh, I work with people one-to-one. -one, um, and I also run training courses to teach people how to work with archetypes, how to read archetypes energetically, and to do the work that I do. So it's basically, you know, uh, interpreting how um, an archetype is turning up in a body as symptoms. So I have a practitioner course for that, which is a year long. Um, people can contact me through my website, which is clairedoherty.co.uk, uh, or I am on Instagram, which is clairedoherty underscore alchemist. And I'll put all these in the show notes. So if you right. want to reach her, you can go there. And you, so you do mainly one-on-one, -on -one, um, and is it pre-recorded sessions or is it group sessions? uh for my classes they're yes. all live so um all of my training is live in person um it's all on zoom but my course is accredited by three three um international bodies so once people if people pass it then they can get insurance to practice the modality anywhere in the world and they can register to become a coach as well a behavioral change coach so yeah i i, I show up every week and i teach and i love it <laughs> that's awesome is there anything else you would like to say during our time together? I don't think so. Just, but just to remind people that, you know, you're always enough and, you know, you don't need to be better than you are because you're already perfect as you are. What is perfection? I mean, does it even exist? But just know that you are that thing. I love to have a call of a call to action at the end of all my episodes. Do you have a call to action that you would you would love to ask people to do today? Um, I think really it's just kind of having I love to get people actually to think about how their body has supported them that day. So to sit down and to think, actually, what has my body done for me today? Whether it's my legs that have held me up or my feet that have taken me somewhere or my you know, lungs that have never stopped breathing because I've never had to ask them to breathe. They just automatically do it. Um, so I, I like to get people connecting in with their bodies and just noticing how is it that my body has supported me today? I'd love you all to do that. <laughs> That's a great exercise. Yeah. All right. Well, it has been a great conversation. I could talk to you forever about some of these things, especially the curiosity. We didn't touch too much no. on that. But that could definitely be a whole conversation. Yeah, it could. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so great. Yeah. All right. Well, have, have a great week and happy holidays. 
Yeah, same. Thank you. Bye.